I had one thing recently where I was like, uh, I was telling Anna, we were joking about me trying to get into somewhere because of the shirt, because of the shirt. Yeah. And I was like, and I was like, no, they'll know me. They'll know me. I'll go up to the HD and I go, hey, 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 see this, see this? Guess the movie. <laughs> Guess the movie. No, 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 give him one second. Yeah, yeah. In three, two, one. <laughs> James, you're, I, I always feel like we begin the episodes with your travel plans and I, yeah, people get it, I travel and stuff as well, but I think people should be aware that we are recording this in a 24-hour window when you have not only just flown back from Bali, where you've been for a week, which is eight hours ahead, and you're looking just the right side of Tad, a touch burn, but I, I just the right, burn. I was I was say, face. Just, just the right side <laughs> yeah. of, uh, of Tad, but then tomorrow morning you've got to fly to new york, new york right yeah so again carbon footprint and yeah. you are just Apologies. jet setting and i i feel flattered that i am the individual that you and i'll be and our listeners the only person i'm seeing in this three-week period where i'm technically i'm telling people i'm not in london for three weeks because i'm in london for like literally half a day and then for I'm me. Off again. but you are the only person you yes. and creed three are the only <laughs> things i'm seeing <laughs> while i'm in london uh, yeah, my, if you if you are watching, first of all, congrats. Well uh, my face is a bit pink. I was so good the whole trip. Fact fifty on the face. So, thirty four hours to get from where I was in Ireland and in Indonesia to here. I had to get because there's no cars on the island. Yeah, a horse and carriage. Yes, a boat. Yes, a car. Yes, a plane. Wow, a plane. Oh, wow. A train. A tube to get home. <laughs> I'm one bus away from completing transport. But you know, so I was on this boat. You have to get a boat back yeah. to Bali. Yeah, and. I realized that I've got two hours on the top of this boat. Don't have any sun cream because I left it there with, with my girlfriend because she doesn't. And I realized I'm exposed for two hours. <gasps> you can go. And I just got completely, just can, got completely burnt. You're like a lobster. You can go below deck. Below deck, not very nice. It's like smells of petrol. It's not very nice at all. Oh. I'd rather be upstairs and just sort of catch the last of the sun, but the sun really caught me. And then on my plane, <laughs> you know, after you've been burnt and yeah. you can just feel your body oh, like yeah. glowing with heat and my arms are on fire and I'm just holding my water up against it, just trying to cool myself down. Like so it's. I am a little bit red. It's not a trick of your computer or your phone. Like it's in Chernobyl, just... like when they've picked up the brick. Yes. And then afterwards they're like, ah! <laughs> I, I look like I've been like clearing the rubble of, of what was it? Like Pripyat. The Pripyat no, it was like, it was a reactor four or something. Reactor yes, three. the graphite. Yes. And they were like, there is no graphite on the ground. Don't yeah. be ridiculous. Yeah. They're building, you know, they're building a new uh, container for it. I should hope so. Yeah, because the old one's not good anymore and like they need, they're going to build a new one, but that's only going to last 100 years and they'll need to build another one. Well, it's costing loads of money. My, the only thing I want to say about that is that information, has that been affected by, you know, the situation? I, I've not kept up to date with the Your eyes news. just went, ah. <laughs> ah. This is why we don't report news. <laughs> um, Details. Yeah, so I'm flattered and we actually have quite a lot to talk about we today and to, and to get through. So... Um, We'll, we'll get through it now, I think, really. Just before you move on, sorry to do this again. Do you know who I saw today? Lily he James. Part, no, not Lily James. Okay, wait, let me guess. Let me guess. I, I don't know if you'll get... Okay, go on. So it's a, it's an actor. Yeah. Uh, male? Male. Uh, 20s? No. 30s? Yes. Uh, British? Yes. Um, have I seen him in something this year? Um, in the last not, six months? Uh, when did that come out? Film uh, or TV? TV. TV. Theo James. No. Will Sharp. No. I have a feeling I might be just out of my six-month period. Oh, okay. That's fine. But it's TV. TV. British actor TV. But he's, he's also does films. Um, oh, shit. Very posh. 
Tom Hiddleston. Yes. Oh, wow. Tom Hiddleston. And I did that because I have real fog brain. That's why um, if my brain isn't working today. That's why. Uh, I had a real foggy brain. And I did that thing where, because he's wearing a hat and pushing a pram and, and walking a dog. So already I was like, oh. you know, I'm a dad. Look at me. <laughs> I like, is he a dad? I think, I don't know, which really threw me, but it was Tom <laughs> Whose Hiddleston. Whose baby is that, Tom? <laughs> when I see Tom Hiddleston runs off with someone's baby, <laughs> I'll have to run to the police. <laughs> um, no, I saw him and I, was, I did that thing where my brain wasn't working fully. And I thought, oh, I'm looking at this person. I know this person. That's low-key. No, I don't know this person. Now I'm staring too much. James, look away. Yeah. By which point, he saw me staring, and I felt awkward. But literally right outside my flat. Oh, wow. Yeah. Not right outside your flat. Like, are you, are you James from <laughs> yeah. Pulp Kitchen? I've got a lot of words about Hello. you. Is this the Pulp Kitchen studio? I've heard what you said about Avatar. Right. And I'm furious. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was astounding. I'll have you know the multiverse is not killing the MCU story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait until Loki season two. <laughs> you little shit. <laughs> he does this to every podcast. Yeah. He's contracted Next by to my Kevin list. Who yeah. else is there? Anyway. Well, James, one film you missed in the time that you were away was Cocaine Bear, which we've yeah. we've talked about in anticipation a few times. We've had a couple of emails talk about it. And you, you'd, be, you'd be stretched to miss it talked about, right? I think it's the kind of film where you're either the kind of person that sees that title and goes, I definitely don't want to see that. Or you go, I definitely do want yes. to see that. And I fell into the latter camp, okay? <laughs> yeah. So I've been to see, and you would have seen it, right? If we, if I you would have gone for it if I was in the country. Yeah, yeah. not just because of the show. You would. I you think would've... it has like a evocative title that warrants exactly. opinion. So, Cocaine Bear has really caught everyone's attention because it's one of those so simple and dumb titles that it's like, oh, I didn't realize you could be that brilliantly dumb mm. with a film. And everyone's gone, yeah, Cocaine Bear, brilliant. What an, I, what, a, what an idea. Come and see us in the cinema, please. <laughs> exactly. So, um, and it's, it's ha- it has been popular and I think it's done quite well at the moment with, uh, in terms of box office. So Cocaine Cocaine Bear is loosely based on this uh, true story. This, what, what did happen was that um, several duffel bags worth of cocaine in the, in the mid-80s were dropped over like Knoxville, Tennessee and, and Chattahoochee um, National Park in Georgia, right? And a American black bear did cons- find one of the duffel bags and did eat like a mountain's worth of cocaine, right? Yeah. And But the thing is... Um, what happens when you eat a mountain's worth of cocaine is that you promptly die, okay? <laughs> Which is what happens to the bear. That's why I try not to do it. Exactly right. And so, the, and, and like they did, they did cut the bear open, and they did find like the, the the you know the pathologist was like, there is so much cocaine in this bear's belly, and they taxidermied it, and it's now in like the national park preserve. Oh, you can go wow. see a taxidermied version of the cocaine bear. That is where the truth and the and this film diverge because the film is like, okay, this film says the cocaine fell, the bear ate it, and it became hooked on cocaine, it became like a beast. It became the cocaine bear. Um, it's uh, directed by Elizabeth Banks, who's a uh, talent I, I perfectly like, and it's got a sort of ensemble kind of um, uh, structure to the, to, to, to the film. So obviously it begins, you've got these stuff of bags contained, you have a police detective who is uh, on the hunt of uh, you know the drug cartel who's behind this. You've got the drug cartel headed by Ray Liotta in one of his last performances with his two like underlings, uh, played by O'Shea Jackson Jr. and Alden Ehrenreich, who are then sent off and dispatched to find the duffel bags and bring it back because otherwise he's in big trouble because he's lost his coke. Um, you have Kerry Russell as a nurse and her, her daughter, Dee Dee, who uh, Dee Dee and her other school friend run off to the forest. They, they play truant from school and they go into the forest and they, you know, they, want, they want to go paint the waterfall to some completely meaningless <laughs> distraction of a plot. That, right. Okay, right? You've got a uh, park ranger played by Margaret Martindale and uh, you've got these kind of 
disparate uh, plots happening around the, the cocaine bear. There's also the guy who played... Who's the guy in Game of Thrones who is the wildling who's friends with Jon Snow? Who France, who, oh, the ginger one, the yeah. big ginger guy. Yeah, I don't know his name. But oh, but I he's in it. Mean, okay. And, and, and there you have it. So, so okay. Okay, a lot, of, a lot of talk about Cocaine Bear, a lot of anticipation about it. And, and I booked to see it and I was going to see it with my friends. And I was like, okay, which is exactly the kind of film you want. to yeah. see with like three, three mates, go have, a, go have a good laugh. And before I went in, went in, I was like, okay, okay, this is all cool, like fun, Cocaine Bear. But what I actually... What do I actually want from this? What am I actually expecting here? Mm. And I think it's just like, we just want to have a bit of fun. No one's going into this expecting an Oscar. We just want to have a bit of fun. Do I think it's going to be any good? Mm, I don't know. Do I think it's going to be bad? I don't know. But I just, it doesn't matter as long as I have a little bit of fun. Um, when I watched Cocaine Bear, I was aware of how difficult it is actually to execute a really stupidly simple premise. Mm. Like, yes, it sounds brilliant, Cocaine Bear. But actually, that's, that's a joke. This film has one joke. It's a bear takes cocaine. Yeah. And then the task is to make that into a 90 minute film. Right. And that's actually very difficult to sustain an audience's engagement um, for that long while also, you know, keeping the joke alive. This is a long 90 minutes, Cocaine Bear. Oh, okay. It's one of those, okay? Uh, they can't win the films, even when they're 90 minutes. I know, I know. Well, it's a long 90. The thing is, it, it, it doesn't really work. Okay. Okay, the film, which is a shame because I really wanted to enjoy it. It is just so so uneven and um the problem is the film like i i understand the logic of like well in order to sustain this film we need to have characters and you know that you that you can follow and characters you care about and i'm like nah, big mistake we've come to see a film called cocaine bear i don't care about the characters stop telling me about their marital problems and their life and yes the kind of domestic dramas are kind of told in a kind of like tongue-in-cheek way yeah. but i'm still like Every scene that the bear is not in dies. It just really? dies on its feet. It's not interesting. When the bear turns up, it's great. More bear. More cocaine bear, please, okay? I was amazed at how much mileage they got out of the bear turning up. Because every time he turned up, the, the film ramped up, okay? Yeah. And I was like, you could have gone... You, more bear. You could have done for more bear. and I would have been fine with it, okay? Um, like, it could have... I, I, I get the sense that it's a really difficult film to make because it's kind of like a mid-budget, like a $30 million film, right? And I think like... That's quite low. But, and, and on like 70% of that went on Weta Workshop making the bear CGI re realistic, yeah, okay. right? And the bear looks totally looks realistic. Okay. Money well spent. But that means that <laughs> the rest of the production is lacking. The last 20 minutes, and which is where the film really, really dies, really, really does get pretty bad, mm. um, is shot at night and I can tell it was low budget because I was like, I can't see a thing. I don't know who's talking. I think, I think Ray Liotta's like... over there. Alden Ehrenreich's over oh, there. No. And it's just like, it's so dark. Um, I think that's the thing. It's like the, the, the film is trying to apply a logic and, and kind of like how to wrestle this story into a 90 minute tale. But I'm just like, I think you kind of, could have gone wilder with it. I, I actually suspect that Elizabeth Banks' vision for this was much wilder and more raucous, mm. but I suspect that there was a bit of production from the you know studio production anxiety Risk, right? about how, how much people are going to go for a film called Cocaine yeah. Bear, right? Turns out it went out quite a lot. I mean, I feel like I could have told them that, but they I feel like that as a result, that's probably like, cut lots of it's a perfect storm of small things like well, well the budget will cut down a bit here and actually we're not going to do that here and so you kind of get a little bit of a it's not tame but there it's just like kind of um whittled down and you know like 
there's a bit at the beginning when the kids are in the forest and and they're kind of, you know, the bears like creeping around. And I felt like saying to the film, you, you know, you can kill the kids. I don't care. Like, you go wild. This is a film called Cocaine Bear. You have, you, you, you can do whatever you want. You're We're there not- in the audience. Yeah. Kill the kids, man. <laughs> but no, no one's there going to go, oh, don't kill the kids. I'm like, oh, Cocaine Bear, you have yeah, a license. Yeah, like, we, everyone in. left their brain at the door. Yeah. So it's a shame. Basically, so yeah, all the stuff that isn't to do with the bear, which I understand why it's there, but just doesn't work. It just kills. It's just padding. It's just meaningless padding. And when we came out of the film, my friend said, it's not really a film, is it? It's a joke with like all yeah. these other bits in it. I love it when films aren't really films. I know. And, and it's a shame because I wanted, I, wanted, I wanted this film to work because I wanted to believe that you can make a film about a bear ingesting a shitload of cocaine yeah. and going on a rampage. Um, however, I, 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 there is a solid... 20 minute section in the middle that is really well executed mm. and really fun and we were all laughing and we were like genuinely good giddy laughing and that's when the film like really leaned into its premise really enjoyed how batshit crazy it was margot martindale playing the the park ranger just really funny and when it finished it was this kind of like oh that was so much fun and it's like the film was like we blew everything we had on that. Um, so now we've got to go back to doing the other film we were before. Yeah. And then the film just sort of slowly uh, dies. So no, I don't, I don't want to be too. Uh, I'm not trying to put it down too much. I do think this is actually a very hard film to make that people don't realize. Like uh, to actually pull off that kind of premise and that tone and how yeah, to how to pitch it, well. it. Yeah, how to how to pitch that film just quite right and. Um, yeah, it's 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 not the most dignified last performance for Ray Liotta and. It's it's just not quite as fun as it needs to be. Very patchy. I think I was trying to think to myself. I was like, if I watch this hungover on a Sunday, would I get up with it? But I think mm. I think I would. Even, I would get bored at home. Right. But also, there's a slight inherent problem with the film with that when you have a film that's, that's called Cocaine Bear and everyone's there to see the Cocaine Bear, no one is really there to commit either to the to the, to the characters. Yeah. You could feel it in the room when the scenes were happening with like the mother and the daughter and things like that. You could just feel the expectation in the room being like, yeah, yeah, but where's the fucking bear? Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> I want the bear. Um, so uh, I, I admire the idea. I'm glad they tried to make it. I'm glad it, it exists. I'm glad it, yes, sure. but I wish it existed better. <laughs> and I think there is a good, there is a, I did laugh and there's a good 20 minute sequence in there in the middle, which is really good. Is it better or worse than Snakes on the Plane? I haven't seen Snakes on the Plane. You haven't seen Snakes on the Plane? Okay. Yeah. So I couldn't, couldn't comment. I quite like Snakes on the Plane for yeah. being that kind of... I put it on the shelf next to Snakes on the Plane, if that makes sense. Not that yes. I've seen Cocaine Bear, but Knowing, on... Knowingly silly trash. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's kind it's of... A pre- the, the title is the premise. Yeah. And, is... I mean, like, and also, because it, it's set in the 80s, they try and make it kind of like a bit camp and stuff. Yeah. I, I just... Yeah. It's okay. It's fine. I think it could have been better. Is it bombing? Is it doing well? It's doing well. Oh, right. Because okay. well. people are going, cocaine bears, sign me up. See that. Um, is it in 18, 15? No, see, it's a 15. Yeah. And there is gore. Yeah. But I'm like, again, I'm like, you, 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 it's called cocaine. Cocaine another bear, right? Tricky, just, just fucking go for it. Did, Rip yeah. someone's head off. Another thing tricky about putting cocaine in your title is that it makes it inherently hard to A, advertise around it because many brands don't want to have yep. their ad running on something called cocaine something. Secondly, a lot of uh, commentary like this potentially might have issues when it comes to monetizing content talking about it because as soon as you reference drugs yep. even if it's in the title the ai that assesses all the yep. language we use is going to probably slap a big old demonetization on this so you're, you're already sort of yeah. fighting against all of that and i've seen a lot of people put you know 
C-O-C asterisk asterisk any or whatever right. to try and get around that and hopefully people know what they're talking about because you can't use the word cocaine. But we've just straight yeah. away gone with the word cocaine. Unless these have all been beeps. Well, <laughs> which I won't do. We, we like to tell her how it is. We will. Yeah. So cocaine one of the most uh, anticipated films of the year from, for a lot of people is a bit meh. Yeah. So, James, in the time you have here, in the 24-hour window, you did say you went and saw Creed 3. Yes. Tell me about that. What's going on? love to provide value to the podcast. Yeah, I brought myself <laughs> a bucket of iced latte and sat in Creed 3. So maybe I was whipped up in such a, like, a caffeine-fueled hysteria that right. who knows what I think about this film. But Creed 3, um, Creed 1 was like a, a reboot of the Rocky-verse. We had Adonis Creed come back. And I really liked Creed 1. I thought it sort of brought Rocky into the modern era. I remember thinking that Sylvester Stallone was so good in that movie and he mm. proved what an acting force he Oscar is. Oscar nominated. Oh, he, got, he got Oscar nominated but didn't win. And uh, it was really like a sort of huge breakout moment for Michael B. Jordan. And we had Creed 2, which I thought was a little bit samey and a little bit familiar. And now we have Creed 3. This time Michael B. Jordan is in the director's chair as well as returning as Adonis Creed. Sylvester Stallone not in this. There has been apparently a fallout between him and the producers and how they wanted the character to go. And I think it's become clear that they've sort of gone... Thank you, but we need to move on with mm. without Rocky. And is Rocky referenced in this? Not referenced at all, not wow. in it, not referenced, not um, even sort of in writing wow. or posters or anything, which is a lot of like the history of the fights are sort of okay. in the posts on wall of the gym. But anyway, so this picks up quite a few years later after Creed 2. Adonis Creed is doing what is his final what is meant to be his final fight and he's, uh, he's uh, tony barely do you watch boxing at all no so i say i probably watch three or four boxing matches a year okay and i'd say one or two of those are jake paul so that's just like my right. level of boxing. Okay. Okay. so like very it. minimal but like i will watch a bit so uh, he's fighting tony bellew who i enjoy very much who plays like a different character he was a guy who fought in creed one he's like a professional boxer in his own right okay so he's in this again he's in this again right. and he's he the one who says at the end like your dad would be proud to you yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. yeah tony yeah. bellew he's, he's good fun so he's like doing this like rematch with that character for his last of a fight Adonis Creed is the world champion he has achieved all of his mainstream success he is sleeping in silk pajamas in a massive LA mansion nice. he is raising his daughter and he's, oh, he's got a kid now he's got a kid now okay. with his wife played by Tessa, Tessa Thompson, Thompson who's is, also is she now still got the deaf thing yes she's the deaf thing the sorry child to is also phrase that so poorly but she has a you know yeah she? she's hard of hearing and so is their so is their child and um, she is also like, she's uh, not performing anymore because of her hearing. So right. she now produces music, but it's also like going really well. Yeah. And uh, so Adonis, you know, he set up his own gym. He has his own establishment. He's bringing up younger fighters and he's like into that sort of promotion management side mm. now, which is very tame. And he sort of get the sense he's trying to figure out what place he has as a man, I want to say in his mid to late thirties, like sort of yeah. not, not old, old, but very content to retire. We start with a flashback with... Adonis Creed is a young teenager and a friend of his named Damon, who from some alteration in their childhood meant that Damon got sent away to prison for 18 years. And um, Adonis Creed is going about his business and he goes out to his Rolls Royce 4x4 and he sees a man folding his arms, leaning on his Rolls Royce. He says, what the hell are you doing? And he's like, oh, you don't recognize me? He's like, no, get the hell off my car. And then he realizes it's Damon from his right. childhood. Damon has is played by um, Jonathan Majors, who is, you know, on his big breakout, mm. I'm here, yeah. I feel like he is just one indie darling casting away from just like yeah, yeah, yeah. glowing and yes. floating out into the sky. Well, he's, yeah, that's how he got his big break. 
He got a big break in uh, the last Black Man in San Francisco. That was the one. Completely different part to anything he's played since, by the way. And he's like just had Ant Man yes. playing villain, and now he's sort of doing villain role here. But so yeah, basically, uh, Damon was as a teenager a really hot boxing prospect, and Adonis used to basically hold his gloves and was like, you know, coaching mm. him. And from prison, Damon has been watching Adonis Creed's rise, and he manages to catch all his shows on catch all his fights in mm. prison, and he's basically seeing the life that he should have had and all the wasted potential mm. that he's not had and obviously he's he's so about so good I'm, I'm in he's like you know five to eight years older than 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 adonis and he's saying listen i want a shot to box and he's like well you know you can't just get a chance at the world champions like you need to that th kind of thing takes time so i don't have time i want to i want to do it and it's all, it's all this complicated politics and you kind of know where this is heading yeah. there's gonna be some sort of conflict it's not spoiler you've seen the trailer it's gonna be some sort of fight Cre creed 3 is look i think it's a really solid film and i think it's a very simple basic premise that's very well executed what i found a little bit sort of underwhelming about it is that it really is very predictable it is a rocky verse movie so mm. the beats of a rocky movie that you've seen mm. before are really familiar mm. so my excitement and anticipation dial is dialed down a mm. little bit because i can kind of just see where it's going yeah. and i know every punch it's pace but every punch it's gonna it's gonna hit me with no pun intended and don't get me wrong, I actually think it's really well put together. And that what that's what really keeps it going. The it really understands there are three sort of big, what I would call big box office boxing events. There's one in the beginning, one in the middle, and one at the end. And it really knows how to take an already very cinematic event, which mm. is a proper big boxing match, and use the cinematic backing of a big Hollywood movie to make that even more special. Mm. And every time you're going into one of those, you get really, really excited. And I think the end result is really, really good. And it tells some interesting twists to try and evolve that. And although I'm critiquing it for being a little bit predictable, I don't think the simplicity and cleanliness of films like Top Gun Maverick mm. and Creed 3 should take away from the fact that I actually think doing that well is really hard to execute. Oh, of course, yeah. Right? Because yeah. it, what it is doing, I think we've seen before, but I actually think it's done it very well. Mm. A couple of times I thought the dialogue was a little bit yeah. obvious. and it, It's got a little slow bit drip of soft cheese running throughout oh, I see, it right. but it's a rocky verse movie and i think there's loads to enjoy do i want all my films to be like that probably not because okay. i think i'd just be predicting it a bit too much but a really solid outing very well made very well shot enjoyable action one thing about why i asked about how much boxing you've watched because again not a boxing expert <laughs> but the kind of punches that are being landed in these movies which i know is typical for all the rocky films like one of the punches that gets landed in these fights would completely knock a man out yeah. clean like if you hit any of those punches that cleanly that's it that's usually you're on the canvas unless yeah. you're tyson fury like that is it but they ha they land about twenty of those yeah, superheroes in the fight. They're just it's completely ridiculous. And then thematically, there's this there's this idea that you know Adonis Creed is retiring and he's been able to solve all of his conflicts by fighting. And you know one of the things he's trying to realize is that actually you shouldn't use physical violence and fighting to mm. solve your personal problems. You actually need to open up and use new ways. And that's the moral of the entire film until it isn't. And you realize you actually do have to fight <laughs> and physically punch someone to solve your problems. Oh wait, this so is a boxing movie. So I was a little bit like, oh, that's a really interesting thing that we're just abandoning for the sake of, oh, it's a Creed Rocky yeah. Verse movie. We have to have yeah. a really big fight 
in the end. Um, that's all I'd say. It, you're not going to be particularly surprised. I think there's very little that this film can show you that you can't already have seen from the trailers. And right. I don't think that's because the trailer is over-revealing. I just think the plot doesn't deviate from the formula that much. Right. It's done very, very well in its opening weekend. And I think it's beaten Ant-Man 3. Um, so all the best success to it. I'm sure we're going to get yeah. Creed's four or five. I wouldn't be surprised if we get Creed's four and five, but that's kind of where I sat with it. Well, that's good. I mean, like, it sounds like you're kind of, your description of it is, is along the same lines of what I said about All Quiet on the Western Front, which is like, well, this is a war film and it's got the same beats as a war film. And you're having that with like, this is a boxing film. So I'm seeing everything I'd expect from a boxing film is here, yeah. including nothing new. Um, but I agree, there's like, it's still very hard to pull off those kind of films. As long, yeah. as, it's, and, and no, as, long as it knows that it is a boxing film, and yes, it has to serve the kind of like, Genre, you break your hero down, yeah, stuff, like, you know, montage. Just, yeah. Oh god, yeah, the montage. And it's great. It's yeah. a great. It's and a real. It's a worthy um, Rocky uh, movie. Rocky movie. Jonathan yeah. Majors. Fantastic. Great. He he is. I think I preferred him in this than I did to. I thought he was really good in Out Man, but in this, he's he's got a really um, magnetic screen presence. Yeah. It really draws you in. He doesn't overproject, so it forces you to really listen to what he's saying. Yeah. And that you know, in the first few scenes when you know him and Donnie just go to a diner after he first sees him, and he, you can really tell he's adopting the physicality of someone who's been incarcerated for 18 years and he he hunched his shoulders and he hangs his head someone mm. who's like really not i don't know how you describe it someone who's been incarcerated yeah. that long but then once he sort of rediscovers his confidence as a boxer that all completely changes mm. oh my god a shout out to the muscles in this movie <laughs> if that's a reason to see it whoa <laughs> like, no vegetarians are listening because <laughs> no. this is full of meat i mean uh michael b jordan as always in terrific phenomenal shape especially in the creed films but jonathan major I know, it does seem a little obscene. It's, it's a bit obscene, isn't it? It's, it's like... How much water did he not have to drink to get that? Uh, yeah, because he dehydrated himself. I, I've got no idea. It, Kids. He is in such good shape. You know... Don't, hold, don't compare yourself don't to, compare yourself to these guys. They're basically <laughs> playing superheroes. And they're getting paid millions and millions. If you it's got not, paid millions yeah. and millions of dollars for six months to do nothing but learn your lines and work out, you could probably get pretty close. Yeah, I think I wouldn't enjoy it, though. I, I would be honking for some pizza. But um, just, you know, in Creed 1... I don't know if you how well you remember the film, but you know we get to the end of the fight and Sylvester Stallone, Rocky's been battling with cancer and oh, he's yeah. fighting that and Creed is fighting his own demons. And I guess at the very end, Creed's been almost knocked out to the floor and he's giving him this like final uh, talk at the, ele- the, the end of the 11th round. Mm-hmm. And he says, this, you know, he's like, I can't fail because I need to show that I'm not a failure. And he yeah. says something like, you know, you're not a failure. You're doing things that your father can never do and you're going to win because I love you, kid. Yeah, we're we're, yeah. we're going to fight this together and yeah. you're going to fight right now. And it had that moment where I was like, oh my God, like they've both been fighting. And then mm. the Rocky music comes in. Mm. I never got that like elevated, uh, here's yeah. here's why this story is really going to pluck at your heartstrings. Mm. It just did feel They couldn't use any Rocky music in this, did they? Uh, I oh. guess not. Did they use the Did they use the Rocky theme? Is there they, any, maybe they're just trying to break free, break free from the I Rocky verse. I think it was like a very similar but altered version. Now you mention it, you might be right, but mm. don't don't hold me to that. Can I just ask, where are you with the Rocky films? I don't think I've seen a single Rocky film. I've seen just not, Creed. Creed is the only Rocky film I've seen. I've seen bits of Rocky three. Which Interesting. is just No, that is Rocky Four. Rocky, so Rocky Three four. is Mr. T. Ah, oh, okay. So not seeing that. So I've seen bits of Rocky Four and Rocky and that's Balboa. What, is that Creed Two is like a sequel to Rocky Four, right? Yes, because right. that's the one with Ivan Drago's yeah. kid. And it's like, oh, your son's fighting. Well, my son. Were and you I killed four? your and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sequel. Um, yeah, so not not huge. I have like seen many of the scenes on YouTube, and I know about like the fights, but no, I have I can't say mm. I'm like well learned in the Rocky verse. I mean, what, what is this? this? Is the eighth or ninth Rocky verse? Hang on a minute. Hang on. There was we've had Rocky. Six, wait, 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 wait. Rocky. Two, Rocky two, three, four. four. Rocky five. five Rocky Balboa. Balboa. It was it was just called Rocky Balboa, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And then there was 
Creed. Creed 2. That's Creed eight. Creed 3. This that's is the ninth. ninth. Yeah, correct. So they're like coming up on Star Wars numbers for the number of films. Interesting. Um, okay, but that's it. Creed 3. Okay, if you've seen like Creed 3, do that. <laughs> But yeah, that's how I felt about Creed 3. If you've seen Creed 3 and also Cocaine Bear, let us know your thoughts about those two films, email them in and see if you disagree or agree with us. So George, the other thing that happened this week, we also like to cover a bit of TV as and when it comes out. And Mandalorian season three is back. Yes. Mando is back. Grogu is back. This is what I it would I would say, along with Andor, which I need to get back to and finish, is kind of the hanging thread of what Star Wars fans are really appreciating at the yeah. moment. It's the TV show that's kind of basically a sci-fi Western mm. following The Mandalorian. And we're picking up on season three after, at the end of season three, minus spo- spoilers. Two, yeah. At the end of season two, minor spoilers, Mando removed his helmet in a yeah. very intimate moment with Grogu and with Luke Skywalker, which yeah. was such a wonderful, well-earned moment with mm-hmm. the dark saber. But of course, the Mandalorian's never mo- meant to remove the helmet. Yeah. That is not the way. So we find him in season three, back with Grogu, and he is seeking... Uh, so he's seeking approval from the Mandalorians mm. and asking them, how do I get my status back mm. as a Mandalore? And what he has to do is go to the planet of Mandalore and bathe in the, the something, something, something to be of, like of this, there, of but the it was all destroyed. Yes. But he's going to find a way to do it anyway. Thus brings in a bit of a journey, a bit of a conflict, a bit of a drive. I'd say... A very a sort of fairly short episode, really just kind of easing mm-hmm. us in. It reminds me of the kind of episode they put out when you get two episodes of the of the first season. Like it feels like a sort of half oh, point. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I watched it on my plane, a little bit tired, but overall I enjoyed myself. George, how did you find Mandalorian season three? <laughs> so I have I have a real bee in my bonnet about yeah. Mandalorian season three. Um, I I love the Mandalorian, right? And and just taking it back a second, I watched the Mandalorian in lockdown so shortly after it came out in 2019 yes, it was a real lockdown because though, wasn't it, it? it came out it debuted in 2019 on disney plus back when a lot of people didn't have it it was the, one of the first things to kind of come onto the platform it, yeah very first and so it did take a while for people to catch up and then like season two followed soon after in 2020 and obviously which i but, thought was a lot better sure whatever season one felt but, very side quest but 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 here's the thing what i liked about the mandalorian is that it came at a time when Star Wars was so over over confused and, and having a massive identity crisis. And it was like, you know what? You go and do all that. We're going to pick up on TV with a, with a completely new character set in a time we haven't explored yet. This is after Return of the Jedi, just in that nice sort of like post-Empire phase. Um, and we're going to really sink into the universe and, and explore it in, in very digestible, small-scale kind of uh, vignettes of every episode. And, it, and watching it reminds me of like daytime TV. Not like... I mean, like, but like, 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 like Yeah, cartoon. Saturday morning, yeah. yeah, Western, that kind of thing. And I, and I really liked that. And um, it was accessible. And so much that I even got my my mum into it because she she likes Star Wars. And she was like, what's this thing? I was like, I think actually you can, you can watch this because you don't need... 10 years of backstory to get into this. You can, I think I know where you're going right. with this. You, you can watch this, okay? And she, she did, and my mom loved The Mandalorian, okay? I'll come back to this, okay? Mm-hmm. So anyways, The Mandalorian happens and you have two seasons and as you say, it builds that really great emotional climax at the end of season two and, you know, the, uh, the Mandalorian's quest is complete. 
He has, he, has, um, he has protected this child, Grogu, and he has now handed him over to Luke Skywalker to, to, to be a Jedi because he knows Grogu is really a Jedi. It's a very sort of heart-rendering thing. And I think we kind of all knew what that was happening or where yeah. it needed to go. It so it's sense. like, okay, that is concluded. Where to now? Because what, what's his quest going to be now? What's Grogu? And they've separated. What is their meaning? Right. Now, in the middle of this, mm. you have the Book of Boba Fett right? Which I didn't see. Which I didn't see either, right? This is my issue. And uh, I, I was made aware that not only does the Mandalorian as a character appear in that show, but the Mandalorian story continues in that show significantly, right? At a time when their emotional journey is really interesting, okay? Now, I didn't see Boba Fett. I didn't want to see Boba Fett. I wasn't interested and I didn't think it looked very good. And you know what? No one has told me it's no very one. good, right? That's why I didn't. So I, did, so I was like, that's fine. But going into season three of Mandalorian, I thought I will watch the catch. I watched the recaps of the first two seasons and yeah. I thought I will just watch the recaps of what happened in the Boba Fett show. And I'm watching it and I'm going, bloody hell, a lot happened. I was like, did you watch the recaps, by James? No, did you? So I watched I, the recap they put at the beginning of the episode. Oh, no, no. It. So I watched the recaps of what happened in the Boba Fett stuff and I was like, whoa, this is, this is a lot. And I'm like, okay, I'll just put that into my mind. Anyway, season three begins of The Mandalorian and we're on a beach with loads of other Mandalorians. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, this must be a flashback because loads of Mandalorians, they're gone now. I've been told that. And they have this young kid. I'm like, oh, it's a flashback to Din Djarin. Lo and behold, here comes Din Djarin (laughs) in a new ship with Grogu together. And I'm like, I have no idea how I I feel about this. And the thing is, I, I watched the whole episode and I don't really, have, the episode was, was fine, ended quite abruptly, whatever. But I got to the end of it and I was like, I'm actually really pissed off at this show because I got, I feel a bit emotionally betrayed by this whole thing. You should be able to go Mandalorian. I'll watch the Mandalorian, yes, right? my Mandalorian yeah. story. So, and I'm like, I'm really thinking about it. I'm like, am I being over the top or, or is this a, ser- a real thing to be annoyed about? And I think it's a real thing to be annoyed about because I spent two seasons watching that show, giving it my time, getting feeling emotionally connected to these characters on an emotional journey. And then we reached a point and I was like, wow, I can't wait to touch back in with that. And they had the audacity and the gall to go and continue that without me. And I've come back now. I'm like, new ship, new thing. What, what's going on? And I, the reason I get annoyed is because I hate being taken for granted by Disney that just because I like Star Wars, I must therefore consume all Star Wars content. And, oh, it's your fault, George, for not watching Book of Boba Fett, you idiot. I cannot wait for the Clone Wars nerds to come at you. And I know, say, I know. You know, no, 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 but, but, like, but, but this idea that like, oh, oh, um, Oh, well, you should have watched Book of Boba Fett to get the complete story. Well, it's, you know, that's, that's your fault. I totally disagree. I think you must be... It's a, it's a real insult to your audience, right? And that is a really important point because we are currently at a time when Disney is struggling. They've just laid off loads of people. They're making Toy Story 5 because they haven't got any new ideas, right? Disney Plus as a platform is not making any profit, right? Very few and I'm are. thinking to myself, well, this, I think, is a massive slap in the face of your audience. I'm thinking about my mum. Right, and so I finished episode one of season three, and I was like, I have no idea how to explain this to my mum. No. My mum is an audience member who loved this show, and you should, after having watched yes. every minute yeah. of that show, yeah. be able to. Or they should have a fucking good recap. Right, at the beginning. exactly. Yeah, it should. You should be able to slot back in. But I was like, my mum loves this show. She is your. She is your audience. Your prime audience. You wanted to win over new people with Star Wars. Take it. You know, you can't always have it with the core fans. Expand it out. My mum is a perfect example of that. I watched episode one and I thought, I, I have no idea how to explain this to her. Yeah. I don't even think I could start. There's and, no point. and therefore you've kind of like 
you've just taken it back to a much more smaller select loyal yeah. fan base. Which doesn't and make you any money. You know what? If you want to do that, that, that that's fine. But I, I feel really annoyed because like, that's not how you win a new audience over. So when I was watching Grogu and, and stuff, I was like, my whole emotional relationship to these characters has been completely disrupted and kind of like bankrupt because I don't know why Grogu's there. And I don't, I don't feel any achievement or sense of what, it, because it, we were so invested with their journey and for him, and for him, them just to be back together. Oh yeah, oh, we fixed it all. I mean, imagine if this was Succession, right? You know, at the end of yeah, Succession, yeah. every season ends with a massive bombshell, yeah. and you think, "Whoa, I can't wait to see how they An pick that up in season." Attack. Right? Imagine picking up the latest season of Succession. They go, "Oh yeah, that thing fixed it. We did all that stuff. We've done all that stuff in another show. We went and did that in Euphoria. Did you not hear about it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. And we've come back now. And um, sorry, I am ranting, but I, I was like, I finished the show and I thought. Fuck you, Mandalorian. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to watch anymore, actually. They should have at least said, they should have at least called the Book of Boba Fett Mandalorian colon the Book of Boba Fett. That would have then made sense. Yeah. Like, you go, oh, okay, this is a spin-off, but it's like a 0.5 of that story that I should probably yeah. watch. Notify your audience. But it wasn't. It was a really cynical exercise to get you to watch that entire show by sneaking in a little bit of Mandalorian into the Boba Fett sandwich. I so, just, I, I, I think it's really cynical. I think it's really annoying. And I watched it with my girlfriend. She hadn't seen any of the Mandalorian stuff. She watched the recap with me. And she was like, uh, oh, I don't really get, get this. And I was trying to explain it to her. And she was like, this just sounds really really messy and annoying. Recap some more for people who've already seen it who've forgotten. It's yeah. less useful for people who literally don't know. Do, I mean, I, I don't think I'm being unfair, though. No, I think, no, I think, I think, I think, I think absolutely this, fair. I felt very sort of like, what am I doing? What am I in? Yeah, I'm just sort of taking it in. It's one episode, whatever. But I agree. And it's sort of, and, and yeah, everything that turned up, all the characters and everything, I just thought, I feel like I've been locked out of this world because I didn't complete all the fucking side quests in Boba Fett. It feels like, you know, when you go to your friend's house when you're a kid and maybe you're playing on the PlayStation and you're like, this is such a good time, we're having a great time. And then the mum goes, right, dinner's ready. And you go, oh, let's pause this and come back to it after dinner because we're having such a great time. You go, yeah, yeah, yeah. You go down and you have a dinner, it's great. And you go back upstairs, and lo and behold, he's, like, he's, he's already started playing. playing. Yeah, yeah. And you don't recognize anything. Moves yeah. all the pieces don't around. Don't know how to play the new moves. Don't know how to play the new moves. And that's how I felt. Um, so uh, I might are watch you, a bit more. Yeah, I was going to say, is that. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm, are you, is there, there's no chance you're watching Book of Boba Fett. I don't. I shouldn't have to. That's the thing. I should. I do think about. It. I'm like. Maybe, so I'm now thinking I might have to. Go I'm, do it. But this is it. You shouldn't have to. Out of principle, you should not have to go and watch another show to finish the show that you're watching. But I, like, uh, yeah, I know what you mean by another show. Firstly, like shouldn't have to. Principles. We're talking about TV, so I don't, I don't really get what you mean. But it's it's. it's, a, it's I think it's disrespectful to the relationship you have built with been, an audience. There should have been more of a PSA. They should have yes. said, oh, by the way, guys, if you're coming into Mandalorian season three, please go and check out Book of Boba Fett because they probably they probably withheld the fact that, Mandalore, that Man, uh, Mando was in there because they wanted to have that reveal for people watching Book of Boba Fett at the time. But now because they didn't announce it, everyone's like, what happened? And you've been sort of really... I feel like I've been misled. 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 Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, will I watch any more? Maybe. But here's, uh, here's my other point with Mando. That all aside, that all aside, my feelings, whatever, what I liked about the original Mandalorian, like I said, was this detox from Star Wars and how like grounded it was and just sort of simple. And now it's like, you must bathe in the flab de flab in the, in the underwater alive things. Yeah. And it's gone headfirst back into the lore that I thought it was just trying to get away from. It tried to detox from. 
And I love that Bill Burr episode, the heist one. Yes, that, that was, was so, so good. good. Simple, effective, and again, it had that. I think that was like almost an hour long, but it had that Saturday morning feel to it, but with a massive budget and amazing yeah. visual. You know, like that sort of fight along the tram where they're yeah. all kicking people off. Brilliant. It's fantastic. So what I say now is with all the... I mean, yeah, you can do... I'm okay with a bit of like high fantasy and a bit of high law, but I don't care... And that's your fault, Disney. It's your fault. I don't care. I have faith in the likes of your Dave Filoni's and your John Favreau's who are really into that. They know their shit and they are good at steering a ship. They're the kinds of start the people that Agreed. steer the Star Wars ship very and well. And I have faith that it will do something well. I, we will see. I will say that if I do continue to watch it, who you knows? They, they might course correct and it might turn into a show that's really good. But, but my point still stands. Mm. I think this is a really bad way to start a new Maybe season. Maybe like the... Clone Wars Reddit threads that have a breakdown of the only episodes you need to watch. I've seen those where like, oh, you can, see, you know how there's like a lot of waffle in that. And if you just want to get to the good stuff, they give you like an, a season breakdown of like the 10 episodes you need to watch. Maybe they can do that for the Book of Boba Fett and give you just the Mandalorian scenes that you can go and see. <sighs> but it's, it's still a bit of homework though, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I think like it's annoyed me more than it's research. It's just, it's yeah. unnecessary, stupid and annoying. Well, there you go, guys. How did the first episode of Mandalorian Season 3 fare with you? Did you watch Book of Boba Fett? Are you also feeling like you've just been shoved into a story? I feel very presentary. Yeah. Send in your thoughts to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. We will probably cover Mandalorian Season 3 as it concludes towards its end. Maybe not sort of weekly, but as and when George gets does the research. I feel incensed. Like- <laughs> That's how I feel. Incensed. I'm going back to watching The Last of Us. <laughs> That little rant about The Mandalorian aside, I would like to talk about Star Wars a little bit more yeah. for the following reasons. So, uh, this the weekend just gone, it, um, my girlfriend Anna and I, were, I, we, I was like, oh, here's the stuff we can watch this weekend. I was like, well, I need to watch The Mandalorian mm. for the show. And I was like, you didn't watch the first two seasons with us, did you? She was like, no, no, no I might have watched the old episode, but, you know, no. I mean, I've never even seen the original trilogy. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. And then she was like, should we watch it? Yeah. And, we, and we were on a day where it was like we had planned to like just watch TV. We had a very relaxed, we had oh, scheduled to perfect. do nothing else. And I was like, wait, you want to watch all the original ones? She was like, should we do it? It's still pretty early. We can, they're only two hours a piece. We can break this down oh, easy. I want to come. And I was like, am I living in a male fantasy? Yeah. And I'm sure there are like men like throughout the world who are just I like, just peel up, peel yeah. out his face, <laughs> jump out. <laughs> but like men, you know, it's the, the idea of like your girlfriend being yeah, like, yeah. hey, what is, what's a Star Wars? Should we like yeah. watch it? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. So, James, I watched the original trilogy all in I'm one day. It took you so long. I like sat Talia down and watched it and did all that. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm. I don't. I don't. I don't bother. It doesn't bother me that, that yeah. my girlfriend hasn't seen something. Also, yeah. like, I'm not so protective over Star Wars that I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Me, you haven't. Yeah. Before trilogy first, <laughs> then the Star Wars trilogy. Okay. <laughs> um. Anyway, so we watched it, and I have some thoughts having watched because it's the first time. In my, I think my adult life, I've watched them right, properly okay, well, through. So, fair, so what? I might have watched Return of the Jedi as an adult, but like it's, we're talking good 10, 15 years. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, watching the original Star Wars from 1977 is like, I was, I was struck about how much of a pilot episode it is yeah. for, the, for the Star Wars we know. Watching it is like something we've talked about before, is like watching the first season of Friends, where it's like you know so much do, yeah. of what we know about this world is just blueprints here. And I was amazed at how it's still quite scruffy, that film. And, and, I, and you know from the production that, like, you know, people didn't think it was going to work. And, like, George Lucas, when he first showed it to Steven Spielberg and, and Brian De Palma, he'd, like, cut in 
footage of like the uh, World War II dogfighter footage and like it was really scrappily made and I think George Lucas was struggling with his own vision and you know it, it, it's it's still fine it did feel a little bit um, dated like it, it was one of those weird things janky. where like janky yeah a little bit it was like a little bit dusty like um, all the Star Wars it's funny because all the Star Wars iconography is still very contemporary like now still very modern because obviously we're still watching things like The Mandalorian mm. but the visual language and the storytelling and the pace and everything is very sort of outdated and some of the script is quite theatrical actually in the way that like it's almost like aunt baru some of her lines are a bit like how someone off stage uh, in a play would be like oh look no i'm just coming power converters and the whole looking at the the sunset i'm like yeah this is where the musical number would be it's very sort of theatrical okay but it's fine. I mean, there are certain like elements of the story that we take for granted that aren't actually honed in the first one. So Darth Vader is subservient to Grand Moff Tarkin. Uh, yes, very much in so. the first one, which is incorrect. Which I think, really, but I think that's cool. I think well, I, well, it's incorrect. I think the, the, I, I always thought the idea was that when. Tarkin died, Vader became a tyrant. Tarkin was the one like almost keeping oh, Vader in check. And in Empire Strikes Back, the first few scenes are Vader just choking the the generals yes, out. And right. he's just he, like, do you remember when he choked someone in the New Hope and Moth Tarkin's like, Vader, enough. Oh yeah. Because he's almost like reining it in but and his death is That's like, true. But then I, I just I don't know, I just, I just thought no one would dare to speak. I thought it was just like Vader's at the top and then Vader only answers to the Emperor. I feel like the Emperor is this very, the Empire is this very organized military sort of dictatorship. And then in the side, you've got this secret wizard emperor oh. who's almost like under the cloak, who's the he's the secret evil behind this tyrannical right. empire. And his apprentice Darth Vader is sort of balancing between oh, the organizational infrastructure yeah. of the Empire and this Brilliant. magic wizardry evil. Brilliantly. Palpatine quote. is very is very much more of a secret than they let on in the original things. It's well, almost like a, an idea that the force is behind uh, The emperor something. doesn't exist in the first one. No, no. Yoda doesn't exist, all that stuff. Which I think is cool. Also, I don't think the word Sith is mentioned in the original no, series. Because afterwards we got we were scrolling through the other films and Anna was like, what the hell's a Sith? Is you- Sith in three? Did they mention Sith in uh, Return of the Jedi, sorry? I don't think so. I don't remember hearing, hearing it being said. No, I anyway, you're right. So that was that was what stood out to me, and obviously like we're still fine, but it's kind of like that. And then we watched Empire Strikes Back, and I was like, oh yeah, holy shit! I can see why this is people's favorite. I yeah. can see why this is great. Not only have they just like doubled the budget, but it's just so much more cinematic, yeah, and so much more thematically concise, thematically concise, better directed, and yeah. and just so much more like it's it's so much more about light and dark, no pun intended. But literally, mm. you've got internal conflict, you've got more of a struggle, you've got you've got literally visually these beautiful cinematography of deep blacks oh, and glossy whites the whites of the stormtrooper kind of shimmers and the black of vader's helmet and the in cloud city when he when he's on that the orange steps with the blue background it's just all it's very sequel and a wonderful tease for something more yes and like the, 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 there's so many harrowing moments like when at the very end when luke has had his hand cut off and he's been rescued and he's just like he's just completely in shock he's like why didn't you tell me yeah and like you can hear vader's mm. voice it's just it's just absolutely yeah so dark and brilliant i was I, that, that, that's what really struck me it's a real romp it's, it's not star wars 2 it's star wars 2.0 it really oh, is yeah. like right we're stepping up a gear 
Um, it's fun. It's and, and and my girlfriend looked at me halfway through, and she was like, "This is much better than the first one." Yeah. She she didn't dislike any of them for the record. She she she, she you know enjoyed them, but she was like, "Oh, this is this one's actually like really fun." I I still really like for the New Hope because of how like the scruffiness is part of its charm and how good it is yes, at, at, at bringing you into a universe that feels really lived in. Everything yeah. is dusty. Everything is used. Everything is old. There's been no development because there's like no industry, yeah. no economy. I really like that side of it. It is slow. There's a lot of walking in the desert yes. for a very long time. When you talk about that like old school pacing which i think really yeah. shows but the idea of like these scruffy people who met at a bar going yeah. into like ending up getting sucked into the death star i think is such a fun premise yeah no you're game. right i think that does carry it and it's like you've got the hero and the princess mm. who's actually capable i just think that works no i agree i sorry it's, and we none of us sorry neither of us came away thinking yeah anything bad about these films. Mm. It was just, the first one was like solid, but scruffy, but yeah, Empire Strikes Back, we're like, oh, I can see really brilliant. And then Return of the Jedi, it's like, it very much carries, it's much more action packed. And like Return of the Jedi when I was a kid was my favorite. And I I will always have a soft spot because it's like, Luke turns up, he's got a new lightsaber. That's fucking cool. He's he's got the whole new look. He's just dressed in black. That whole opening sequence at Jabba's with the oh, Sarlacc pit and the Rancor. Amazing. The tension. So much fun, yeah. Jabba, it's, this is your last chance. Yeah. Free us or die. <laughs> Boba Fett. Boba Fett. Boba Fett. <laughs> He's like, I thought you couldn't see. A little higher, a little <laughs> yeah. higher. It's so good. All your, all your best friends are there. But sorry, and also like Lando at the end of Empire Strikes Back. That's a really good character trait. It's like you betrayed us. It's like, no, yes. he, uh, he said and he made a bargain. Yeah, and then he, like, yeah. And this tension leading up to like everyone being there for this moment. Mm. And this, and this, people don't talk about this moment enough where Luke, you know, Luke turns up and he's wearing the robes and he actually in Return of the Jedi. Evil, now, in Return yeah. of the Jedi. And he uses, he chokes one of the people. Like he's yeah. got this dark side to him, yeah. this darkness. We know that obviously becomes a really big part of him wrestling with it yeah um and just the throne the throne scene the throne room scene oh yeah it's just yeah. my girlfriend found uh the emperor a bit annoying actually oh i was really? like no i love oh him. i think yeah, he's I brilliant but he because like ian mcdermott ian mcdermott ian mcdermott knows exactly how to play it he's like oh, yeah. oh i know how to, how to play this ah which brings us to <laughs> the slightly annoying thing well, obviously watching these on disney plus we uh, are watching the remastered yes, ones from with so I don't I'm okay with the odd bit of CGI in there. I'm even okay with Hayden Christensen being the ghost yeah, at the that's end. Fine that's fine. But what I really don't like, uh, Jabba's in there is uh, he's practical in Return of the Jedi though, which I like. Yes, he is, but he's CGI looks, in New Hope, which makes no yeah, sense. But he looks fantastic in Return. Yeah, he does. Disgusting. Yeah. Um, what I really don't like is this bit again. Spoiler for Return of the Jedi, but I think guys were in the safe I space. We're fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, that bit at the end, which I always used to love as a kid, where like the Emperor is just like electrocuting Luke. He's like, mm. and now Skywalker, you, you will die. die. And like Vader's had his hand cut off. And, like he's looking at Luke in the flash, he's like flashing mm. in his mask, and you can see the conflict. Now, in the version I watched when I was a kid, Vader looks at Luke. He looks uh, at the Emperor. The- he looks at Luke. And then he just grabs the Emperor and throws, and you're reading, you're you're leaning into the film because you're reading that mask. Yeah. But in this one, he goes, no. I know. No! Yeah. And I'm like... It sucks. You... I get it. I, I had it. You did yes. the most amazing switch where you made the most terrifying evil mask for, for I don't know how you did it. You Humanized made it feel it. sympathetic yeah. and human and then you eventually take off the helmet. It breaks yeah. your heart. But like, it, it worked. I understood yeah. that whole thing. And you set up the whole thing with Luke being like, I know there's still good in you. Yeah. We knew. You didn't have to say... It's so no. it's, it, it's so patronizing. just kills the moment. I was just, I had to say to my girlfriend, I was like, that, that, he, did, he didn't That's say that originally. Real. That's not We choose no. not to believe that. And uh, uh, 
Anyway, so uh, and I, you know, I love that. And I love the bit with the, the helmet being taken off. Like, I admit, like, there are certain... I do think there are certain things that aren't as sharp as um, Empire Strikes Back. Like, Luke is actually a little bit boring in Return of the Jedi. He's a little bit like... He's a bit of a square. Mm. He's a bit of a square. Yeah. Um, and the layer thing is a little bit last minute, but I get it's fine. Yeah. Okay, whatever. Ewoks, I'm okay. Also underused is like, she's another Jedi. I feel like you could have brought that in a bit yeah. more. But um, if that was made now, there'd be complete, like, badassery. Annoyingly, but. and I try not to think about it, but that sacrifice that Vader makes... Is completely neutered by the prequel. The well, sequels. I've retconned those in my mind. I know the story ends with Return of the Jedi. That that should be the end right. of evil as we know it. And I, that <laughs> amazing song. Like, doo, 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 doo. Yeah. Oh my god! Have you seen? Wait, the, sorry. Go on. Wait, no, but, but wait, hold that thought. Yeah. Okay. Do hold it because I'm already going to forget it. it. Um. Because my girlfriend had seen. I keep calling her Anna. She had yeah. seen Force Awakens, Last Jedi. And Rise of Skywalker. Okay. Because without, she didn't have much atta- attachment yeah. to the franchise, she was like, Rise of Skywalker, yeah, it was all right. And, and now I was, she's I was, like... And she, she, now, wait, after Return of the Jedi, she was like, wait, that's the guy they bring back. How? And I was like, what, how indeed? What a way to watch it. How indeed? Yeah. Um, but just to bring this anecdote to a close, I really enjoyed rewatching. And nonetheless, it's always great to revisit Star Wars. Yeah. And the, the, when we press play on that first film, and we had the volume <laughs> up really loud, and it goes... Bam, and the Star Wars shoots like that. I got like it was like an emo- like an emotional frisson across my whole body. And do not take for granted those wide shots of spaceships <sighs> chasing each other. We yeah. completely have so yes. many of those in our media now. But at the time, that would have been like, whoa! Yeah, this is like how did they get? This is levels year zero space for that stuff. Brilliant stuff. And, 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 and all the um, really sorry, all the low shots over the surface of the Death Star were all practical. They were like these bigatures that they ran through. Um, just a quick thought on Emperor stuff. I saw this clip on TikTok, which really blew my mind. The song they play at the end of The Phantom Menace on Naboo when they're celebrating is the Emperor's theme, but in a, in a major, major key. Oh. It's someone played them side by side. It's John Williams just completely being a genius and leaving being, the cues the whole time. much more clever than that film's deserved. I, I was so annoyed I didn't know that. And then I listened to the back and I was like, oh, my god it's the emperor theme and, and just to slap uh, just 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 to annoy people and in the thing it's like um oh i can't i can't sing it uh, anyway it's basically that but really happy okay um i think looking at it for me star wars i'm like i take the original trilogy love it that's great that's mm. mine i don't think about the new trilogy because what's so sad is that afterwards i watched the trailers for the new ones and i was like force awakens oh, i love this trailers. it was so great yeah. and the other ones no and then I mean, say what you want about the prequels, but at least they were, they were consistently bad, but they were consistent, right? Uh, the prequels have some individual great, great moments. moments. Some of the great all-time Star Wars moments in yes. there when it's at its darkest. Yes. But unfortunately, the films are, yeah, they're there. Power! Unlimited power! What have I done? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no! Anyway... I think that's enough Star Wars chat. And just shout out to the uh, Darth Plagueis the Wise scene in Revenge of the Sith. Brilliant. Is it? Yeah. With a creepy head turn three Darth times. Plagueis, Plagueis the Wise. He was so powerful. Uh, yeah, I thought that was brilliant. Anyway, so sorry. That was just me recounting. Having watched it all in a day, I thought I should share my thoughts. God, I feel like we could talk about Star Wars forever, but we shouldn't. We should It's been done before. Let's move on. You know, George, when I went through our last... Uh, episode editing it 
I had such a good laugh at our emails. Oh, good. I'm glad someone did. <laughs> yeah. If no one else laughed, I'm glad someone enjoyed really the show. Because our audience is so great and they send in such fantastic emails, just like you can. You can send an email to the show to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com and we will read your email out. Do you mind reading all of them today? Because I don't have my laptop to. with me. That's fine. First email is from Michael. Michael writes in and says, All right, lads, how's things? I'm going to say British. Uh, from Glasgow. Uh, Thank you for letting that us know. It is British. Yes, that counts. I just wanted to start off by saying how much I love your content. It's genuinely one of my favorite moments in the week when I get to sit down for an hour or so and listen to your opinions on the latest goings on oh, in film. Sit down. Michael. You know, you're not walking around doing the dish. He sits. Yeah. I like to think sort of with a pipe, the crossed legs. Yes. Big leather in the, armchair. In, in the study. A fire. Yes. Yeah. I quite enjoy the chair turned to the fire. Yes. Casting a shadow. And the sort of like the silhouette of his head. If someone yeah. walked in, they could see the smoke. Yes. I quite enjoyed. Oh, do not disturb him. It's, yes. fa- it's father's it's, pop kitchen time. <laughs> yes. I, I quite like he- uh, hearing about where people watch the show. Yes. Like Cameron at the alt right. Oh, the, 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 the fashion company. Yes. Yes. And also the guy. <laughs> not right. The guy who was conventionally also fascist. Also, the guy who was parking cars. Yeah, the valet guy. We think he's a valet. Yeah. Or his cars were dropped. Great thief. <laughs> Hijacker. <laughs> um, Sorry, Michael. Michael. Thank you for your compliment. I think I speak for everyone watching when I say how much I appreciate you both taking time out of your busy schedules to provide this little break from the world every week. Oh. You've even inspired me to start writing my own film content in my spare time in an attempt to view films more critically and get more out of them. So thank you for that. Good for you, man. I've recently finished my quest to catch up on the episodes of Pop Kitchen back catalogue that I had missed. And one I very much enjoyed was when you presented some of your favorite slash least favorite movie endings. That is one of our most popular episodes, by the way. Yes. It got me thinking about the ending of my favorite film, which is a film that I don't recall you ever mentioning in previous episodes, Pan's Labyrinth. Have you seen it? What do you think? Like I say, it's a personal favorite of mine. For for me, Guillermo del Toro is a real genius and a master of making great fantasy that's grounded in something more real and often rather dark. But I enjoy hearing people debate whether the ending is happy or sad. I personally think it's the former, but I'd be interested to hear your takes. Before I go on, George, Pan's Labyrinth. Um, Do you remember the ending? Very vaguely, I think, but I've seen it once. Yeah, I've seen it once. I think I was. I think I saw it when I was like thirteen, and I and now I, I would have a completely different reading on that film now. So, so like, she, uh, she needs to. No, I don't, don't, don't tell me because you you could actually spoil it for me because I don't oh, remember fine. it enough. So, so I think it's a dark happy. It's exact. I think it's exactly as you describe it. It's like fantasy that's grounded in something more real, often rather dark. It's like a very real sort of. D- dramatic conflict with a real oh, supernatural. Say that again. So you, you something uh, so more uh, real and often rather dark. Fantasy or rather dark. <laughs> Say it again. Very tired. Yeah. Um, uh, he describes uh, Guillermo del Toro, a master of making great fantasy that's grounded in something more real and often rather dark. Got it. I think that's true. It's like a very real, yes. sad conflict with a very supernatural, uplifting side yes. to it. Like the. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But I think it's sort of somewhat happy. I'd say more happy than sad. I don't like, know, because I yeah. really don't remember it now. She joins the thing. I'd like to actually watch <laughs> okay, that film. Fine. Fair I think spoiled. it's probably happy, but I can't, I can't okay. elaborate. What else does Michael say? In terms of controversial film opinion, oh, mine good. has always been that I can't get on with The Dark Knight. I've watched it three times mm-hmm. in the hope that it finally clicks for me, but each time I still come away from it thinking the same thing. A special performance in an otherwise bloated and emotionless film. I, st- I don't find the relationships believable or engaging. I find the production of Two Face only the introduction of Two Face only detracts from the main draw of the film, mm. Ledger's Joker, and I think it tries to cram in too many themes than 
that it's able to cope with. As I write this, I can hear the mob gathering their torches and pitchforks, but I'm afraid I just don't get it. Thanks again. Please keep doing what you're doing because it makes my Wednesday or Thursday or Friday, whenever it goes to Tuesdays. <laughs> Cheers, Michael from Glasgow. The Dark Knight, George, do you feel strongly about The Dark Knight? I, I think I like, I like The Dark Knight. I think I've yeah. seen it about twice, but I am not one of those people that defends it with my life. The, the diehard... Um, Dark Knight fans. I've always been slightly surprised at, at <coughs> how much people revere that film. Like it's Tarkovsky or like the Seventh Seal or something. Yeah. You know, like I'm, I'm always amazed at the altar people have built for that film. I think it's fine. I think it's good. Great moments. I remember going to the cinema seeing it when I was a kid, and I remember thinking, even at the time, people were hyping up big, t- you know, a yeah. lot, and I thought it was fine. Uh, I think it's still it's still the superhero film to beat. It's still what sure. I think many people go. Well, yeah, it's not as good as The Dark Knight. I don't know, is it? It's not, not my favorite film ever, Dark Knight. <laughs> um, I'd say I think about it a lot more positively than you and Michael do. I I think look, uh, I, I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think the, the, when, sorry, I've not thought about The Dark Knight. I've watched it. I want to say three times. And I've watched it within six years just about so well, like on the, the edge of thing i just think we need to remember what those films and i think the dark knight in particular did for storytelling in, mm. in in comic book movies which as we know are like inundated around us like there there was there was no sense of grounding something in reality the way the dark knight did i think nolan's brand of shooting action which he's so good at doing in so many of mm. his other films is so brilliantly on display and it brings a reality to Batman that I think makes that film so compelling. Mm. And when you do have a moment like what happens in the end, Batman making mm. a sacrifice to be the hero, it wouldn't make sense if that film didn't have a sense of almost like re- reality crime yeah. drama. There's moments that film really feels like uh, a dark, Fincher-esque, yeah. crime noir film. And that's why I think it's compelling to so many more people. Yes, that performance from uh, from Heath Ledger is completely captivating and it's almost made more impressive by the fact that that was his last one of his last performances mm. and it was just sort of there left as this final mm. piece from him um what more to say i just think it's it sta- it stands out above I, th- I think batman begins was a really great introduction i think that film drags on a little bit towards the end feels a little bit tired whereas mm. the dark knight is a middle piece feels much more like we have a start beginning and end with con- consistent themes that run throughout i think i disagree when you say that it tries to do too many things. I think the way that film builds to a crescendo mm. is so special and you leave the credits rolling and you're like, oh my God, what a, mm. what a masterpiece. Cool. Uh, yes, James, James is going to read out all the emails today because I left my laptop at home, which means I'm, I, I don't want to fumble around with my lazy. phone. So Lazy. <laughs> Joshua writes in, friend of the show. Oh, is he? Oh, we got he is. a friend of the show. A friend of the show. It's not that I was it. doubtful. I just was just like, we, it's a growing club. It's a friend of the show. Really We're all friends here. It's a broad We're church, people. Come on. But like, There's cr- room at the table for everyone. I will christen. Hi, Jess. now. Sorry. Josh, and I'll leave out your last name, even though you gave it. Josh, here again. I'm studying my final year in English. I always, we leave out the last names, just in case. I just think it's the, It's okay. just polite. It's like AA. <laughs> yes. Alcoholics Anonymous. We just need one Josh word. Josh, hello, Josh. Hi, I'm a f- I'm a, and I love films. <laughs> I was doing, hello, Bruce, from Finding Nemo. Oh, right. <laughs> I never knew my father. <laughs> 
Sorry. Anyway, Josh, Josh here again. I'm studying my final year in English, and as a big movie lover, I've always wanted to write a screenplay. You guys often speak about how the dialogue can let a movie down, even when it has an all-star cast. Mm. I was just wondering if you guys had any tips for what you think makes the dialogue work in a movie and what doesn't work. Also, just as a side note, you gents have spoken about how you love the graphics of the cartoon comic style of Spider-Verse, which leads me to a question of if you have seen the rapper Kid Cudi's Netflix movie, Enter Galactic, also shot in the unique animated style with amazing visuals. Always a blessing to get a YouTube notification about a new episode during my long, varsity days. Cheers, Josh. Uh, George, have you seen Kid Cudi's Netflix movie, uh, Enter Galactic? First of all, um, uh, I'm sorry, Josh, if you've said this in a previous email, but when you say varsity days at the end, I, that makes me think America, America, Canada, maybe, or South Africa, even. Yeah. No, wasn't Josh from... Oh, I don't want to say... I find out where Josh, Josh I'm sorry from. if I don't remember where you maybe were from. Maybe in a previous... I'm Josh, I'm getting up your previous emails. I'm sure it was South Africa. Uh, Didn't you listen to us when you were studying? Mm. No. Joshua from South Africa. Yeah, Got Joshua it. is from South Get Africa. It in. I remember. Yeah, you remember. I remember. Um, so uh, the Kid Cudi thing, I'm, I hate to say sorry, it. I haven't I, seen I've it. never heard of that, and I couldn't name a Kid Cudi song. <laughs> well, there you go. That, that's um, us. But I believe of, you. Yeah, I believe you that it's great. I will, I, you know what? I will, I'm, I'm, sorry. I will type it in into a search engine. And I will Homework. find it. And um, then on dialogue. Right. So what, what is it for you that okay. makes dialogue work in a movie and what We talked work? about this last week a little bit when we talked about the strays because I was really thinking about what makes dialogue not work. I think it's, what we said last week was um, massive emotional gear changes, emotional changes that happen too quickly when people yeah. go from naught to 60. Um, uh, massive motivational changes as well when a, when a character's intention changes very rapidly as well without justification without a causal reason for their intentions to change so uh, you know someone a character walks into a scene they want one thing and they usually leave wanting another thing but like if they change their motivation or intention three times in a scene it's just the audience doesn't know what uh, you know loses their footing i think also uh, what did we say last week um i think uh, uh, characters who are too articulate with their thoughts you to come to conclusions too quickly. Yes, yeah. and almost say the subtext. It's like, no, no, people are a lot more messier. People don't yeah. like to reveal their feelings too much. Like a villain explaining their plan right before their... Yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's bad dialogue. And um, just, it's one of those things as well, you just know it when you hear it. I watched there's, a, some, there's some very bad dialogue at the end of Cocaine Bear, but that right. shouldn't be a shocker, really. I watched a really bad film on my plane to Indonesia called Smile, which is a horror film. Oh, yeah. My family walked out of that. I yeah. didn't think it was good at all. It's got like a good It Follows-esque yeah. style horror concept, and it's got a good like horror thrill at the beginning and then it does the same horror trick over and over and over again mm. and every scary scene just builds with people shouting and that's meant oh, to be scary yeah. but it's not and there's a couple in that like the main character and her fiance have such bad chemistry and mm. their dialogue is so bad that it completely pulls you yeah. out I, I could be a chemistry problem but i was like couples don't talk like that this thing I think, i've never engaged with yeah. my with my partner who could potentially be my fiance in the way that you do yeah. and it immediately takes me out and i think i'm watching two people acting i think it's one of those things that i think we underestimate how for any audience member how smart the human brain is yeah. and even though you might not be at the at, in your consciously thinking this dialogue doesn't sound good but somewhere at the back of your mind your brain is just not reading this information in the same way it would read a natural conversation it needs to be tricked it's not your brain is not buying it um yeah, that's... often writers will say when they write their first draft and they go through their dialogue, they've realised that in order to actually like get the idea of their script on stage, they've had to write their dialogue very literally to mm. actually have it 
appear. Yeah. And then they have to t- deconstruct it and go, well, actually, they wouldn't reveal that yet. Yeah. This is more what they're feeling inside, etc. Also, all characters sounding the same is, 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 is one. When, you, when no characters sound different, d- even though they've, they have difference in age and, and class and region. Yeah. Also, there is a difference between bad dialogue and a bad script because a bad script is more overall, obviously contains bad dialogue, but it's also about plotting, pacing, mm. illogical outcomes, um, I'll also say that me and George Seymour. are not writers. Yes. Like, we, we don't know what we're talking We're just talking We cannot film. write a film better than the ones we watch. So no. just, it, obviously, when you watch a lot of films, you get a sense, but I just want to say, obviously... That was purely a subjective film watcher's you opinion. You did ask. You did ask, and we <laughs> yeah. answered. So there you go. Uh, this next one's from Ruben, who interesting, interestingly writes in and says, Hey, guys, me again. My friends and I were talking the other day about our controversial movie opinions. One of us said they didn't care for Indiana Jones. One said Memento is overrated. One said Dark Knight Rises is the best of the Nolan Batman trilogy. What are yours? From Ruben, sent from my iPhone. Well, by the way, I will always read out sent from my iPhone if you include it. Because <laughs> you, you should know by now. It. You've got to take that it's out. 2023. Yeah. It's not 2007. <laughs> like you should have deleted that. Anyway, sorry. Well, let's just go through them. Didn't care for Indiana Jones. I, I, I think, yeah. yeah they're, they're good. They're, they're great, apart from four and probably five. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, which is now one of the most expensive movies ever made. No. Yeah. It's the eighth most expensive movie ever made, How? I think. I don't know. How is that more than. Hobbit or I'm ja- I'm ja- I'm James? I read it. I tell you. God, I tell you what I read. for getting paid. Uh, Next one. Uh, Memento is overrated. Um, no, I disagree. Memento is really cool. Yeah. I rewatched that last year. I'd say it's rated. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is rated. Dark Knight Rises is the best of the Nolan Batman trilogy. Yeah, I can't. No. no. No, I, I still enjoy watching it yeah. next to Batman Begins in the Dark Knight. I did love it when I saw it in the cinema. Me too. I don't think I've gone back and watched it. I have. It's is problematic. It? <laughs> is it? I remember <laughs> like, the really bad oh. Marion Cotillard death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, actually, no. I, I tell you what, I have gone back and watched it, and I remember thinking, the dialogue in this is pretty You can hear it. Stiff. Oh, yeah. Bloody hell. Gotham is yours. Yeah. Next one's from friend of the show, Kai. Kai writes in. Oh, sorry, can I say, guys, we've said this a thousand times. Love the controversial opinions. Oh, yes. Send them in. sending them in. I like just rattling Bathing them off, them. and we talk about more films. Great. Hi guys, not sure if you've covered this exactly, so please ignore if you have. What's worse, someone asking loads of questions throughout a film or show or displaying active disinterest while it's on? I've moved on from the prior to the latter generally Ooh. being worse, but I think it also depends on if it's your first time seeing something or if it's a film you've recommended and are re-watching. What do you guys think? Okay, so hang on. So Hold on, let me give you some context. I'm asking this because I recently visited my parents and watched The Last of Us with them after they'd said how much they wanted to see it. I cannot describe the frustration of seeing them more captured by their Facebook timelines (gasps) than the show. Of course, when you recommend something to someone, you should do so knowing it is to share a great experience with someone rather than to validate your enjoyment. However, to share that experience, the person has to be engaged. Mm. I said they should watch it because I wanted them to have a good time. So it was hard watching episode three become background noise to random five-minute craft Facebook videos. Thanks again. Keep up the great work. Kai. Kai. Infuriating. Um, Great email. Great question. I'm very sorry that you had that viewing experience. I think that, you know... It's hard. It is hard because you want to bridge the generational divide and you want to... I mean, I watched The Last of Us. I got my parents to... I I rewatched the first episode to get them into it. You want to validate them by being like, oh God, this is so great. You can get into this too. It's not just me that can watch it. It's not just young people. Um, But there are ground rules. And anyone who has spent Christmas with me will know that, uh, Mm. you know, people say, George, what what are we watching? I'm like, yeah, I'll queue up the films, but there are ground rules. You know, rule number one is... It's like a festival screening. But it's like, you don't talk during the film. No. 
You either you in or you're out. You don't get out. You don't get out your phone. No. And even if your phone is on silent, we all can see you not engaging and it's distracting. If you, I can imagine you with a kitty you, taking your you family's like, phones in a lockbox. If you would like to be on your phone, if you are not engaging with the film, which my dad has done many times, he would just go, okay. And he removes himself from yeah. the room. That's fine. Respect for the people I'm watching. Not, I'm, I understand this film might, might not be for him. That's absolutely fine. So no talking. Um, conferring, every software might be okay. Like, what do they say? All right, okay. Yeah. The, odd, the odd thing, but the, the bigger the group, the less talking's got to be. Otherwise, yeah, it's just yeah. chaos. It's out of control. But the phones, no way. No way. And playing stuff out loud, videos. No, that's out of that, control. That me, that I would, I, if that were me, I and would just, pause the video. I'd pause the episode. You'd pause it go, yes? No, or I'd just turn it off. Like, you... You've lost. You've lost me. You've lost. You've lost your chance. Um, just the, the, the description yeah. of Facebook timelines and background noise to five-minute craft videos. Just the worst sort of content. I'm so sorry, Kai. But I also will say you're in good company here. There's a typical situation like we were talking about earlier with Star Wars, where like you get your partner or your very good friend mm. to watch something that you really love, and I think you almost have to be wary of the fact that if they don't like it or they're not interested in it, that's okay. Yes. And you can't spend the whole time watching them watch it because that is just as annoying for the person trying to watch it. And it actually also takes them out. I would actually also say, I think I'm okay with questions. As long as it's not at the cinema. I don't mind reacting to stuff and like having brief conversation as long as it's sort of timed right and it seems to not, you're yeah. not losing something. Also like if- some, that could be fun. If, 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 um, if the questions are engaged questions like, I don't know, I'm sure when I when I watched the the Matrix, is like with that. I was literally just about she was to bring up. She was like, "Oh, oh, oh!" So what are they going to do? That's that's yeah. fine. Oh, can we do that? And and you know, at, at the top and tail of every scene, yeah. that's absolutely fine. But if they're going, what? Oh, why yeah. are you doing this? Yeah, no, oh, no. I'm like, no, no, no. That's no, exactly no. how I watched The Matrix because I was young and it was very hard for them to understand. And I was like, okay, are we in the real world or are we in The Matrix now? And we were sort of always, and that really helped me yes. enjoy it. But it's a tricky one. Don't be too attached. But watching it with someone who's, you know, is act- forget the phones a second. If you're watching mm. with someone you can feel is not engaged is also not great. That's worse. This next one is from Alex. He says, hi guys, big fan, love your work. Just listening to your conversation on refusal to watch films and wondered if you'd therefore chosen to watch films such as a Serbian film, which are known to be very shocking and disturbing to watch, often at the expense of narrative quality. I personally refuse to watch a Serbian film having read the synopsis and wondered if there is a line for you guys. I pre... I pre... What's this? Is it just me? No, 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 I know. know, I've heard of the film. Oh, it's a film. Okay, gotcha. I previously watched torture porn films such as The Hostel and Human Centipede out of interest, but never really enjoyed them. And I now am approaching 40 and have a young daughter and I don't feel the urge to at all. At the risk of going on, my other question is about the memification of film. Let's Let's go back. Firstly, a Serbian Serbian film. film is a film. It's called A Serbian Film. I think it came out in 2010. And yeah, it's like a big torture porn. It was around the time when torture porn was getting a lot of conversations around. No, uh, yeah, but after that, Human Centipede and, and like, a Serbian film was like the one that would, I, I've just read about it. It just seems like it's only there to, to really push your buttons and it yeah. has this sort of narrative quality. And I don't want to watch it for that reason. It's just, I'm not interested. Um, but just hang on, about our refuse, did we say, did we, was we, the question we said before, that we're not absolutist and that we wouldn't we, ever refuse to see not seen a film and therefore say we'd refuse to watch it. It's more likely we'd refuse to watch a film again. Okay. And just on that point, because yeah. uh, yes, you're right. A few weeks ago, we had that question, which is, would you ever, what's a film that you enjoyed but never would never watch again? Right? Last week. No, I think it was before. We, 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 we tossed okay, around fine, and, I, mind, and we still said maybe Son of Saul, but then I actually remembered. Uh, I, uh, about so I've got, I've got a new answer for that just at this juncture yep. of this email, okay? <clears throat> the film that I enjoyed watching, but I don't think I'll ever watch again, is Gus Van Sant's Elephant. Have you ever seen Elephant? No. Which was made two years after the Columbine shooting and is a high, it's a high school shooting 
film about that. But what Gus Van Sant did is basically he captures the very sort of plain, mundane detail of the everyday life of, of a high school activity. So you follow different characters, but you don't really get to know them like personally, but you just follow them. So you, you follow one girl, uh, go from one class to another and get, get, you know, and get ready for PE or gym, right. as they'd say. Gym. Um, you see another, like uh, somebody arrived late, uh, somebody like talking to their girlfriend and you follow them in these little vignettes for little bits. And what it builds is the very sort of like, it's a really interesting experiment, the, the film, and trying to get you familiar with the the sound of the silence of the halls and the sound of pupils moving between classes and about how every day school life is because what it's doing is that what's about to happen and what you know is about to happen and there's sort of like a slightly non-linear thing with the film happening because it will cut forward and cut back and is that you have the most horrific uh you know uh chaotic destructive thing about to happen that is mm. so a completely uh opposite to, 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 the, to this everyday life it's going to shatter this whole illusion and 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 yeah and so and then obviously eventually there's the high school shooting but it's not at one moment like i said it's kind of cut through and you kind of finish the film and you're like yeah that's that was really interesting exercise a, a little slow um sad um bleak and, and that may, makes me feel a bit grim mm. um so i i understand i mean some people really hate it but I appreciate what Gus Van Sant was doing, but I'm like, I don't think I'll watch it again. Yeah. Anyway, second part of that email. It makes me think a little bit about when you talk about Kevin and that what something terrible is going mm. to happen is very clearly telegraphed from the beginning mm. and she's being like accosted for not having acted in the appropriate way. Like and it flashes mm. back, doesn't it? Um, yeah, torture porn films. Oh, I, I used to like the Saw films back in the day before they just went on and on and on. I was like, there was something... I watched fun about yeah. the, the, how the story would flash back continuously, and you know, sort of. Just, I was almost just like, "Wow, what what can they come up with?" But it was they weren't they weren't nice to watch. No. I, I it was remember, like a morbid teenage boy curiosity uh, yeah, thing. That I remember I watching the first Saw on like TV links. Do you remember TV links? Oh yeah, like ripped yeah. online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. on my like family computer, two forty p. Watching and I watched the whole of the first Saw, and I remember yeah. the twist really blowing my mind. Oh yeah, yeah it's good. that's a good twist. It's good. And two, two is good fun. Three, three is fine. And I think after that, I think like, I think four is four is interesting. Where but they, it's just they kill him. Yeah, and then you're like, dies, how can you go on? But they that? do lots of flashbacks, and he's like still doing it from the thing. Anyway, uh, second part uh, yeah. of that email. Anyway, um, at the risk of going on, my other question is about the memification of film. Right. The current big meme is from the unbearable weight of incredible talent, and it's part of Pedro Pascal's big moment. Yes, do you know this meme. Yeah, I've seen yeah. the meme. Yeah. The yeah. <laughs> uh, do you think that some films are being reduced purely to a meme slash memes or do you think memes have the power to bring an audience to a film certainly I feel Wednesday on Netflix built off its meme ability mm. to find an audience and I now plan on watching Unbearable Weight when it didn't before when I didn't before keep up the great work you are company on many a long dog walk ah nice. hello Alex and Darby uh, P.S. totally agree with George's view on All Quiet on the Western Front technically excellent but very heavy handed with yes. narrative devices I was puzzled by the total BAFTA love over films such as uh, uh, over films such as Banshees and Artisan lovely to hear that but um, memification I mean I think if, if a studio could uh, bottle and like sort of capture what makes a film memeable 
they would be making a lot more money. I don't, I but, don't think you can they, predict the internet. They are trying. There uh, they're are definitely dedicated trying. teams, marketing teams, whatever. Who the internet to, will love this. Yeah. yeah. So like when Glass Onion came out, they tried to make a meme out of the... Uh, that's not just stupid. It's, no, no, it's, it's, it's brilliant. It's not brilliant. It's just dumb. Like that, I saw that a couple of times. Oh, really? And Netflix was really trying to push it and it didn't, it didn't go anywhere. Um, I would say the corporate writers are much... They are far out of touch with the internet mm. and anything they're writing now is what's hot now. By the time their film comes out, it's yesterday's yeah. newspaper. Um, but as it, but but whether maybe as an unintentional thing, yeah. If it's a way of getting, I mean, if if, if any get, if it gets people watching films, mm. it's just a really intelligent point. I think there are there are probably more industry articles out there that can really talk about uh, how studios use memes. Mm. I defer you to them. Refer you to them. Thank you, Alex, for the email. That is all the emails we're going to do today. We do have more. Thank you so much for sending them in. We are going to save them for next week. So sorry if we haven't got to them yet, but it's please a jam-packed do keep show. sending them in. They're all so great, and we just want to read them all out, but we don't want to be here forever. Thank you, as always, for writing in. You can do yourself and get included as part of the show by emailing hello at polekitchenpodcast.com. Okay, George, we've reached the end of another wonderful episode of Pulp Kitchen. I hope, um, who is it? Who's the one who's listening by the pipe with his pipe next on the, in the... Michael. Yeah, I hope Michael's just finishing off the final dregs of his tobacco, yes. skipping it out, sucking on the last little bit. The <laughs> You've never smoked a pipe. No, I've never smoked a pipe. I've seen Gandalf smoke yes. a pipe. That is my entire reference for pipe smoking. And I hope people are now sort of winding down, you know, yes. thinking about the next thing they're going to listen to. Or look, look at what, what's that episode they reference? I'm going to go yes. back. I'm going to go watch Gus Van Sant's yeah, elephant. Andrew Garfield episode. I got mm. the worst movie endings. Um, nice episode today. Lots of films brought up, but not yes. as many films as we're going to bring up now. Okay. In one of our favorite games, both with our audience and on social media, which is Guess the Film Based on Its Opposite oh, Film Title. A classic. The Antonyms, not synonyms. The Antonyms. antonyms. Although we retired the word antonym because people were so particular oh about whether it's an antonym. But That's not the opposite. A movie opposite. I'm going to read in two rounds the opposite film title and George has to tell me based on its opposite what film it is you can of course play along at home okay are you ready I'm ready you have to guess the film based on its opposite film title ready okay three two one mother of the groom that is father of the bride men listening women talking New York I hate you uh, uh something I I love you Paris I love you yes, yes. hand tight uh, uh, tight, loose. Uh, arm loose. Uh, ha- hang tight. Hand tight. Hand tight. Uh, fist. Uh, b- b- foot loose. Oh. The queen of tragedy. The qu- the king of comedy. White falcon up. Black hawk down. The daddy leaves. The mummy returns. Black women can sit. White men can't <laughs> jump. The government defends forwards. The government defends forwards. The something attacks, attacks, defends, prosecutes. The Empire Strikes Back. Mr. Believe Water. Mr. Believe Water. Mrs. Doubtfire. (laughs) I like what you did there. So stupid. So stupid it works. There you go. I like the government defends forward. The government defends the government. The empire. But why strikes would, back. is the government the engine of the empire? Oh, shouldn't yeah, it be like the an republic. Government shouldn't uh, be the republic. Technically, it's Star Wars, but I'd say like an empire. An empire an can have a government. You know, we're overthinking it. <laughs> Us yeah. never. 
like white falcon up. I'm surprised you didn't get hand tight. Hand tight. Foot loose. Yes, I, I see. Next round. Ready? You have to guess the film based on its opposite film title. Ready? Three, two, one. Silver toe. Silver toe? Gold finger. Yes. Yes. Honest person, honest person. Liar, liar. <laughs> Senior. Junior. <laughs> Chaucer out hate. Chaucer out hate. Shakespeare in love. Out the number of the mother. In the... In the name of the father. Yes. Oh. Office of Prada. Office of Prada. Office of Prada. House of Gucci. <laughs> Delay minute. Delay. <laughs> Delay minute. What's the rush hour? <laughs> the traitor. The patriot. Natural stupidity. Unnatural. Uh, natural. Natural stupidity. Um, uh, intelligence. Artificial intelligence. Lonnie Lito. Lonnie Donnie Darko? Really? <laughs> Thank you very much oh. for listening to this episode of Pop Kitchen. We really appreciate it if you have stayed for this long. Don't forget, we post new episodes of this show every single Wednesday. And please do continue to spread the word and uh, share clips and, and like and subscribe. And just, you know, if you're having a chat with someone, be like, guys, tell you what, it's Pop Kitchen. I really enjoy listening slash watching to it. You should do the same every this week. This is my favourite podcast. I listen to it every week. I you could, should too. Yes. These guys are great. Thank you Follow so much. Follow us on TikTok, on Instagram. Because shenanigans. we really do appreciate your support and depend on it. So thank you. Fun little events and things. Get, our, Stay get tuned. all dressed up. Give us a like. Rate us on Spotify. Apple, give us five stars. I know you're listening on something. Go rate it. <laughs> the thing you're listening to us on, go make sure the you The number of people who are listening are not the number of people who rate. So if you're listening and you've enjoyed the show, what possible reason... Like I should hold you back. You know, I mentioned a web sketch, which is like, what do you reckon? What possible reason did you have not to call us? That's what we need to do about ratings. Thank anyway, you so much. thank you so much. See you, we'll next, see week. you next week.